0: The SME Empower podcast. Dream big, act bigger. Three, two, one, and we're live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SME Empower podcast. I am your host, Max Getuber, and I'd like to officially welcome Yashant Ponana, a founder, angel investor, and advisor to startups who has vast experience in everything from e commerce to automobiles and health tech. So, welcome to the show. We are very happy to have you.
1: Thanks, Max. It's a pleasure to be on this podcast and I look forward to answering all the questions and getting to know you and the objective much better.
0: It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I think uh, my intro honestly didn't do you justice. Um, Do you mind giving us a background into who Yashant
1: is and how you got where you are today? Sure, Max. Uh, So uh, I started my career back in Bangalore uh, in India uh, about 15 years ago, and I was in the semiconductor industry managing marketing and operations for, uh, you know, for clients across the world, especially Japan, U.S. and China. Uh, So I had this stint of, uh, you know, to start my own venture to understand more about business. So that's when I Uh, moved to Spain for my MBA back in 2011. Uh, I spent a good couple of years, uh, enjoyed my stint, learned a lot, networked with a lot of people, gathered more insights and enhanced uh, my abilities and after which uh, I worked in the pharmaceutical and automotive sectors for the next uh, three years Uh, and during this stint I was the chief of staff uh, to the founders of these organizations and uh, I had some amazing time, Uh, I learned a lot about business strategy, about planning, uh, how to scale a business, how to uh, launch a business in a new market, how to manage the finances, how to manage the budget of a company, uh, about cash flows, all of these things. So the the core uh, business uh, concepts uh, was something I was able to, uh, you know, uh, make it much stronger uh, during my time here. After which the entrepreneurship bug caught me, uh, I spent about uh, two and a half years in launching a new business line for PayPal for the Asian market. Uh, and during the same time, I was also working on a nutrition B2C startup. Uh, so we were able to raise about three rounds of funding, uh, reach revenues of about $1 million per, uh, per annum. Uh, so we made significant progress uh, until COVID hit the business and uh, you know we had to uh, Change the market dynamics, the, the market model. Uh, after which, I moved to Tanzania. Uh, uh, you know, uh, to uh, as a consultant, I was uh, building a strategy for the government of Tanzania uh, to uh, incorporate sustainability uh, uh, ideas. You know, for their 2,000 hospitals. Uh, that was an amazing uh, exposure to East Africa, and we were able to uh, improve on the profitability points. Uh, we came up with some special ideas, fresh ideas, how the patients uh, across the Tanzanian market could capitalize, uh, you know, on the services from hospitals, from even from remote locations. So uh, after the success of this, I moved to Antler in Nairobi. Uh, I had a couple of ideas around health tech and uh, education. Um, so I spent a good months in Nairobi building on these ideas. Uh, again, met a lot of people there. Uh, crazy bunch of, uh, you know, guys from Nairobi who are very enterprising, uh, very entrepreneurial. So it really opened my eyes uh, and understanding about East Africa after that. So now I'm back in India and I'm building my idea around uh, AI and, you know, productivity tools, uh, uh, which, which is still in the ideation phase, in the research phase. And I hope, uh, you know, this, uh, the product will be ready in the next six months. So uh, all in all, uh, you know, I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship. I love engaging with um, uh, enterprising people, sharing my ideas, my experience, and also my mistakes, uh, what I've made in my previous startup stint. Uh, In addition to this, I'm a mentor at a venture fund based out of South Africa, so I get to meet a lot of startups there as well. Uh, I'm happy to uh, engage and have conversations with startups, whoever wants to you know share some kind of uh, insights or needs help in any kind of advice. So that's a bit about me, Max, and uh, yeah up to you for the next round of questions.
0: Yeah, thank you so much that's a That's a very fascinating story, um needless to say. I think you're the kind of person that companies would probably uh, scramble for. So what led you into founding your own company?
1: So uh, for me, entrepreneurship is limitlessness, you know so you can create anything out of it. So uh, if I have to compare this uh, with a job, there's, there's always limitations, right? So uh, you have limitations on the product, you have limitations on the market, you on the brand, uh, on the workforce. So uh, I really wanted to unleash myself and you know explore my limitations and see how far I could go. So that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is what i feel and uh, you know being in a young country like uh you know kenya or you know one of the eastern african markets where there's a lot of youngsters right so building and nurturing their ideas uh where they do not see any boundaries i think that's an opportunity that's very big and it still exists.
0: yeah that's a, that's an incredible point um uh, so you, you talked about uh, being a founder, you know, this is obviously not your first time, you founded a brand before which was doing quite well um, before, you know, COVID and uh, it was a nutrition brand which was B2C. Uh, could you fill us in on what drew you into that particular idea as a business and how you approach developing that product and just products in general?
1: Sure. Uh... So, uh, you know, prior to starting this, uh, building on this idea, I used to have uh, gut issues and uh, it was very difficult for me to find, uh, you know, good uh, food products, uh, you know, which uh, are healthy and nutritious at the same time. So if you look at uh, most of the packaged foods in the industry, right, so if you look at the ingredients, there would be some level of uh, preservatives or additives or quite a lot of sugar added into that. So it was very difficult for me to find something which was tasty and at the same time healthy as well. So that's when this uh, idea struck, uh, we built uh, about 20 SKUs and you know we did the tasting with a lot of uh, friends and family members. And then we realized that the product is something which can really be scaled and which can be launched into the market. Uh, and uh, so once we got the confidence uh, that there is a market that exists for this after a strong uh, market study, uh so we started working on the shelf life of the product and we were able to uh, reach up to nine months of shelf life uh, for a packaged food without adding any preservatives completely made from seeds fruits and uh, you know nuts so that's that's the kind of product we launched and uh, another missing point in the market is uh, you know there were no foods that were focused towards uh, solving specific nutrient nutritional needs so uh, we came up with uh, you know products which are dense with protein with vitamins with fiber with calcium so uh, we came up with a range of such uh, you know uh, uh, different uh, nutrients uh, and and you know that's that's one thing which led us to uh, you know launch these products across india first and, you know where consumers started really appreciating our product wow um,
0: that's incredible just because you know i think a good um, place to start with you know, finding a product that you can make is really just digging deep into what problems you face. And if you, if you can solve or um, address problems that you face, then uh, that's, it, it gives you a connection to the product that is really just unmatched, I think. Um, I think that's what I'm getting from you. But how did you know that you had product
1: market fit? Like at what point? Sure. So uh, once we finalized on the idea, initially it was just a tasting session, and you know we did some research. So the real uh, uh, product market fit was when we, uh, you know, were able to sell more than ten thousand units of the products. And uh, you know, uh, we started with the traditional route of uh, launching these products in supermarkets and you know hypermarkets. So uh, there was certain instances where some of the largest uh, hypermarkets in India. They wanted to list the products on their own, so they themselves reached out to us because there were no such products that were existing and they didn't receive feedback about, uh, you know, Consumers appreciating such products. So, for instance, uh, you know, we did see that uh, the retention rate, uh, you know, for uh, three of our SKUs was more than sixty percent, which means that uh, out of hundred uh, people, sixty people buy our products every month. You know, so that was a reasonable product market fit for us before we started, uh, you know, investing in our own manufacturing and uh, you know, uh, scaling the distribution in other uh, parts of the country.
0: Yeah, that's um, that's quite interesting. So what did you learn uh, during that experience about the B2C space especially?
1: Yeah, so uh, let me share this from an Indian context. Uh, and it is more likely that it could be applicable to the African context as well, Max. So um, uh, when, it, when you call, as, call it as a 2 B2C, right? So uh, a D2C brand is uh, ideally uh, something where you, List the products on your own website, and uh, you know, use customers come to your website and buy them. So you have a particular, uh, you know, uh, marketing uh, a channel, right? So they call it as a pirate uh, funnel. Uh, so you know, if you look at that, um, uh, brands usually do focus quite a lot on acquisition uh, and retention, uh, you know, throughout the marketing funnel. But uh, you know a d2c brand uh, will not be able to scale significantly uh, you know unless you have multiple points of presence so for example uh, you know we did not go the d2c route or you know start uh, selling from a website right from day one so what we did was we built an offline distribution so when consumers visit multiple supermarkets or you know uh, general stores they get to see our product so the visibility was really important after which we started listing our products on amazon and you know various other online uh, e-commerce platforms and then we started uh, acquiring customers by you know using certain strategies uh, you know like ads and you know keywords planning and stuff like that so once we gained a significant customer base then we went uh, you know uh, onto our website because you know we started offering more discounts and you know more exciting stuff so like we used to give out uh, nutrition manuals uh, so that consumers are more aware of what kind of nutrition to look at how to uh, you know, maximize uh, health factors for their kids, stuff like that. So that was something we promoted extensively on our website, which made the consumers shift from Amazon or, you know, offline channels to our website. So I think that worked really well because, uh, you know, uh, have, uh being a B2C brand, which has just about 15 SQs, 10 to 15 SQs. Uh, it is not, uh, wise for you to start just selling only from your website. So I think an Omni channel is, something which is critical for the success of any b2c brand and in the initial years it is very important to cast the eyeballs you know and uh, you know talk more about brand awareness
0: oh wow um so what i'm getting from what you're saying is that it's important to at least have um, a distribution strategy in place um that allows you to um you know turn potential customers into actual customers so like a sort of sales funnel of
1: some kind um is that what you're saying absolutely so for example uh, in the in, in the in the first phase right you would not know who your customers are specifically you would not have enough of data you know when you're selling in offline uh, channels so, uh, and you know, once you uh, acquire a significant set of customers who are actually spreading the word of mouth about your brand, about the product, the taste and things like that, and then you go, uh, you uh, you know, you make your uh, target audience much more clearer. You know, in our case, uh, the consumers who are uh, very uh, interested in nutrition products were mainly people, who, you know, who are very active online, you know, so, who, who buy from Amazon, who who interact on that is like Netflix and stuff like that. So they're very uh, tech savvy uh, people. So it made a lot of sense for us to have a distribution uh, or, or have a visibility on Amazon and various other channels. And then the next uh, point is to engage with them. So the third point for us to engage very specifically with them uh, through email marketing and you know various other models for which we needed the data. And we encourage these consumers were already part of our uh, you know customer base but not directly with our brand so we encourage them to come onto our platform so we did this by you know uh, putting in inserts inside our products you know for example the flat uh, you know my brand name is flat tummy so the flat tummy's uh, logo would be very prominent on the packaging uh, we would highlight about uh, you know offering discounts if they uh, uh, came onto our platform, stuff like this, right? So that really encouraged consumers to come onto our platform. And once they came to our platform, we, we would engage with them with a lot of content on nutrition and you know uh, various other concepts, explaining them more about our products, how healthy it is, how we use real fruits, and we don't use any preservatives and stuff like that. So the market we saw was shifting towards healthier alternatives, and that really worked for us.
0: Oh, uh, I love that uh, story just because There's this idea, I'm also an avid reader of uh, a lot of business uh, materials and there's a classic book on branding that I read uh, at some point that said that um, if you want to establish a really strong brand, uh, your brand should um, represent one word within the consumer's mind. So uh, the way it seems from what you're telling me is you guys decided to go uh, with health So could you just give us a little bit more detail on how you approach naming the brand
1: and also just branding? Sure. So, uh, you know, if you have to create a brand, uh, my belief is that the name is very, very important. So uh, first of all, we try to understand what are the dynamics for which consumers are looking for a healthy environment. So uh, and the answer to that question was they need a flat stomach or they need to look healthy they need to look fit so that was the primary hypothesis why uh, consumers are interested to go for healthier alternatives so that's when we came up with the branding of flat tummies it sounded very cool it sounded very fascinating it sounded like resonating with weight loss and uh, you know a flat stomach so that was the first uh, genesis you know to think about health following which uh, you know uh, we had to create some kind of a brand identity where consumers connect with uh, activity with fitness uh, with a specific uh active lifestyle you know so so we spent a lot of time ideating what kind of keywords have to go onto the packaging uh what should be removed uh, so we did a lot of study to understand you know what is more relevant for the consumers so what came out from the survey was consumers were more uh you know happy if uh, we mentioned that it's all natural uh, and it has no sugar you know these were the two keywords which are very important for the consumers so that really came out in our packaging so we would call them as all natural uh, no guilt um, and you know sweetened only with fruits um, you know instead of and and saying that it doesn't have sugar so these are some of the factors which we introduced where consumers uh, you know were able to quickly identify that this product is specifically made for them you know so So that is another reason why the retention rate also increased uh, gradually later on because the taste was definitely there uh, in spite of having, uh, using only healthy ingredients, because there's a common notion that, you know, what is healthy is not tasty. So we were onto a mission to break that barrier with the consumers.
0: Okay. That's, um, that's, that's really insightful. Um, the follow-up question to that I'd like to ask is there's a lot of, people um who really there's not a lot of people rather who uh, opt to make physical products who are entrepreneurs nowadays just because you know um, digital products have you know marginal cost of distribution so it's much easier to scale on that but you decided to go on the, uh, to, to to make physical products instead, which I thought was really interesting. So, could you talk to us a little bit about that experience? Um, if you had any challenges developing a physical product and scaling it uh, and so forth?
1: Sure. So, you know, for us, the benchmark was uh, looking at certain big brands in India, certain CG brands. You know, so I would like to name Britannia as one of them so uh you know britannia and you know some of most of these brands they have presence in more than 500 000 outlets uh, across the country and you know so the infrastructure was already there over here where there was there was a network of a uh, large number of distributors spread across the country and there were already existing brands which started you know uh, entering the health food space so it was kind of a uh, validation for uh, for the idea and you know uh what we felt is you know the scaling would be much easier if we tap into these distributors. And at the same time, uh, we also realized that uh, in the health food space, uh, you know the, the expenditure on performance marketing or you know the amount of money other brands were spending was huge and uh, because of which the customer acquisition cost we felt would be much higher if we uh, go aggressively in the online space but whereas in the offline uh, you know it was much more reasonable for us Uh, we understood that uh, you know the the retention or sorry not retention uh, the first buy you know the first uh, buy from a consumer might take a longer time uh, you know in the offline space uh, but we also believe that you know over a period of few months, consumers will once you, once consumers start looking at the product more and more, right? So at some point they might make the purchase based on the attractiveness of the packaging and you know the, the kind of value add uh, that we had in the packaging. So that is why we chose the distribution route, and uh, you know we all, always knew that the health foods uh, market is about uh, you know three billion dollars in market size. So uh, it was quite exciting for us to enter the space in the beginning
0: amazing amazing so um, you've developed this product you found product market fit uh, and just so the audience knows Flatom is did scale nationally and reach more than 500 touch points and e-commerce channels which is really impressive uh, so given your expertise in uh, doing go-to- market strategies with companies like PayPal and Milan and you know of course yours how do you think about approaching uh, scalable distribution strategies in early
1: stages of of companies okay so uh, one of the mistakes that we made I would say you uh, know I won't talk about the mistakes that I've made uh, you know in reference to your question uh, is that we entered big brand retail outlets in the beginning okay so our assumption was that once you enter the big brand retail outlets the smaller uh, retail outlets would take notice of this and you know uh, it would create a cool effect Okay. So, but we did not realize that uh, the big brand retail outlets would absorb a lot of cash because here in India, there's a lot of listing fees and, you know, marketing fees that you have to spend on every month. Okay. So, uh, and as we started expanding across the big brand retail outlets, we realized that, uh, you know, the consume the, the smaller brand outlets, still hesitant to onboard, uh, you know, a healthy product because, you know, they were used to uh, you know selling products like uh, Maggie and you know uh, very very uh, uh, mass products right so it, it there was a little bit of hesitance uh, resistance from uh, you know uh, from these consumers because of which our scale to expand the distribution also faced quite a lot of hurdles okay so for new brands or new uh, companies who are looking at uh, distribution right or expanding their product in a much shorter span of time I would suggest that you do a di- Validate all your multi, uh, ch- different channels that's available for you, and see which is the low-hanging fruit, or you know, uh, do some testing and try to validate uh, where the offtake is much higher. Okay, and validate your offtakes, validate your customer acquisition cost, and understand your target audience very well. So do a segment analysis uh, across different uh, channels of sales, uh, and once you get much more clarity about this only then you start investing money in that uh, segment because, you know, there could be certain channels where uh, even the CAC is uh, much cheaper and, you know, it could be a much easier way to tap into your consumers.
0: Yeah, um, that's that's incredible. Um, I think I've been thinking about this also a lot recently just because uh, my at least my hypothesis upon reflection is that um, you should aim to kind of form a distribution strategy that organically reduces, um, you know, your customer acquisition costs over time, uh, which is a really hard thing to do. But if you can do that, it it, it makes you a lot more valuable. Uh, so yeah, fantastic. I'm glad you agree. So, um, I just wanted to ask about what do you think is the ROI, um, on, or return on investment for the audience members who may not know or in um, social media advertising for smaller companies?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, Max, it, it really depends on, uh, you know, which category your, your, your product is, which your brand belongs to. Because, you know, in certain categories, uh, it, it also depends on what your competition is bidding for. OK, so if I have to take an example of performance marketing, uh, if there are some big brand players who are competing in that space and you're just a, a small player, a new entrant, so they're gonna crush you with uh, because they have a higher uh, you know capacity to spend on performance marketing, right so it, it it's all about bidding. But if I have to talk specifically about social media uh, advertising, uh, I think uh, you know one of the key most key important factor is you have to be very specific uh, with your content. So, uh, whatever creatives you come up with, you have to be very specific, uh, and clearly communicating, uh, you know, this product is for whom, you know, who, who is this product for and what is the value add if they come onto this, if, if they start using this product, so that value proposition has to be very clear. After which your, uh, customer segment has to be clearly defined. So let's say, uh, you know, your product is applicable for five different customer segments, you need to find out who needs it the most okay and then start targeting uh, you create a profile uh, consumer persona and understand these customers where they exist it could be possible that you know your uh, your nearest target audience may not even need uh, instagram and facebook and they're more active on youtube you know so in that case it makes more sense to uh, spend or invest in uh, ads on only on youtube so you need to understand where do they go what do they do uh, where are they more present you know so that's that's very important uh, so with that, uh, the return on ad, the uh, uh, spends can you know considerably vary you know so so uh, try to be very uh, niche. So what I would say is the first phase when you're running social media ads would be you run a generic ad uh, spread across uh, different customer segments and then uh, with the analytics, try to understand who has purchased most, who's visited your profile the most. And then you would get a much better picture about who this audience is and then just start hitting really hard on these audiences and expand your geographies as well if required so that you're targeting the specific customer. Service. So with that, you would be significantly able to bring down your cat. You will be able to improve your return on investments.
0: Okay. That's, that's a really, um, amazing strategy. Um, so that in a way you're saying you just retarget. The if you target the, the people who've engaged with your content in in a positive way, so that eventually they convert into customers.
1: Absolutely. So and the the content should be targeted. So like you know the first creative can be very generic, and you know so that you just understand your target audience a little better. Um, so once you understand your target audience, who uh, which is the low hanging fruit, who are most likely to uh, buy the product immediately, right? So then you, uh, you know, you edit the creators, make it, make the communication more clearer and specific to them only. Wow,
0: oh, okay, that's that's a lot. Um, that's that's really insightful. Um, so, just to follow up on that, let's say um, I'm the CEO of let's say a security service company, looking to increase market share in a competitive space. And I'm asking this because I know that. Uh, you are also, you know, an expert just on, on on this side of things, you know, with the sales and the marketing. So, what are some things I can think about to give me a chance in a competitive space if I if I really want to increase market share?
1: Yeah. So, uh, when you do the competitor analysis, uh, it's really important to understand what are those features or offerings. Which consumers need and which the competitor is not doing a good job in offering that. Okay, so uh, I am of the belief that uh, you should always target a space which has a very high, very big market size. There would be existing players, which is where your validation of your idea is also further, uh, you know, strengthened. But at the same time, try to understand what is uh, that which is not really effective, you know. So. Um, let's say, for example, it could be the consumer experience overall uh, using the product or using an online product. Let's say, let's say if it's a SaaS product, for example, uh, there could be certain variables which uh, consumers are not really happy about. Uh, there could be certain segments or customers which this uh, particular competitor is not really targeting. So they could be targeting, uh, you know, out of five potential segments, they could be targeting just two or three. So you would still have options uh, opportunities to target the other two segments you know? so yeah it's, it's a lot of variables so mainly my point is uh, you need to find the differentiation uh, how can you be much better in terms of uh, solving the consumer's problems uh, and for this when you understand the space try to understand the you know try to uh, really talk to the consumers and understand what kind of problems are not being solved by the by their existing service provider. So that would give a lot of insights to look at.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Um, I think that's a really, um, really insightful answer. So um, now moving into what you're currently doing, which um, you recently shifted into tech um, from, you know, coming from a, a manufacturing and physical product space. So, what made you shift into tech
1: yeah i think it's uh, so uh, in my previous startup right uh, like i mentioned there were challenges with respect to distribution and scaling the business and offline channels and uh, you know to perform well in the in the online space it required a lot of uh, funds and i had to bid much higher than my competitors because there were other players who had much deeper pockets so these were some of the challenges which I faced with respect to marketing and expanding my business. So um, so like I said, entrepreneurship for me is about limitlessness. So I think technology is something which can take me beyond boundaries. Uh, and for a product, uh, you know, uh, for a fancy product which consumers can hold and feel, there's always a limitation. And the scale will always take much longer. So that was my uh, motivation to, you know, solve a problem uh, which which is not just for one market but is across the globe where my access to those markets is much faster uh, with less boundaries and uh, overall the value that I can offer to the consumers is also significant. So I've been looking at, you know, something which uh, checks the boxes in all these uh, parameters and that's Whoa. my motivation to move into the technology space now.
0: Oh, that's incredible. Um, Just because uh, there's this entrepreneur who I I really follow a lot. His name is Naval Ravinkant. He's the CEO of AngelList. I don't know if you heard about him. But um, I also had the same kind of um, revelation when uh, I learned from him that technology and media sort of give you limitless leverage in the sense that the products that you create that have marginal costs of distribution, which means you don't really have to spend anything to replicate uh, each product. And that, um, it it really matters a lot in building your own leverage and uh, compounding that so that you can create a lot more value. Um, And I think that's a really powerful thing.
1: Absolutely. So, if I have to advise or give my suggestions, uh, you know, to any budding entrepreneurs, uh, I think uh, choose a problem which you are really in love with. Uh, so, usually, it's it's a problem which you have personally faced, or you you would see your immediate network, you know, complaining very often. Uh, and then try to understand how deep this problem is. You know, whether it's a painkiller or is a vitamin pill. That's that's really crucial. You know, because if consumers want a product which is solving a painful thing, so they're willing to pay more than you know what the the product's real value could be, right? So that is really important. And then uh, you know be really uh, you know very reasonable in understanding what is your market size. So if the market size is big, at least a billion dollars, then there's there's something to uh, you know uh, there, there's something meaningful for you to do that. Uh, but don't be bogged down with uh, the rising competition or, you know, uh, if there are many players in a particular space because, you know, you can always try to come up with something which uh, can be improvised and made much better than the existing service offering. So that's, this, this is, these are the three steps which I would really suggest uh, people to look at, you know, before starting a venture.
0: Uh, great, great. Um, thanks for that. Um, so uh, just to follow up on that, um, do you think that the speed of the growth of the market is also something entrepreneurs should uh, consider as they choose
1: ventures to go into? Yeah, the the speed of growth is definitely important. Uh, and at the same time, the market size is also important. So like, you know, there are two factors, right, which helps your business grow. One is you acquire market share from existing players. And second is the industry itself is growing, right? So you need to pick, you know, where exactly your idea can, uh, you know, uh, play a good, play an important role. If both the factors are favoring your, uh, you know, your idea, then definitely, uh, you know, you have something big to play there.
0: Okay, that's um, that's really insightful as well. So um, we have a traditional last question on the podcast, which is, um, what world what kind of world do you hope to create through your entrepreneurial
1: endeavors so uh, as an entrepreneur like i said it's it's uh, you know you can create anything uh, out of uh, out of the opportunities that exist so uh, so what you can actually create is converting problems into a solution you know so that is something which entrepreneurs always have to think of so always have your uh, be observant, you know, be mindful of what people are talking about. Uh, and especially it's good if you have a lot of complaint boxes around, you know, so they keep complaining about certain things. And uh, it's it's an entrepreneur's job uh, and passion to understand, you know, if this complaint can be converted into something meaningful, you know. And once, uh, you know, if, if the entrepreneur connects with this uh, meaningful idea, then a whole new world can be created, uh, which can be ex- expanded across horizons, Uh, You will meet the right set of people during your journey. Uh, It just happens, you know. So I I strongly believe that you don't need to pursue or, you know, uh, really uh, fall behind people if you have to scale your business. If your idea is good, if if you're solving a big problem, things will just happen. The right set of people will come. The right set of opportunities will come. We just need to, uh, you know, walk. Keep walking, keep persisting and, uh, you know, just not stop. Yeah. And all the data, the numbers, which is validating uh, your problem, that should also give you enough of proof, uh, you know, that the idea is working. Uh, but if in case you, you assume uh, about a certain market size, assume about a certain uh, you know market opportunity, but if the numbers are not doing the talk, if you feel uh, if the infrastructure is not ready, or if you're, if you're too early for this idea, then you really have to think through, uh, you know, whether to pursue it or not, because you would end up spending a lot of time and then figuring out that uh, it's a problem which either cannot be solved, or uh, it's a problem not worthy enough. So, the, the, an entrepreneur has to take a call uh, at some point uh, after starting, uh, starting an idea. But the whole thing is, if all the data variables are giving you the right direction, then you know, you just need to keep moving.
0: Wow. Um, Thank you so much for those insights. Um, I'm sure that the audience will find them very valuable. Uh, And I wish you all the best as you also pursue your own entrepreneurial journey.
1: Thanks, Max. Uh, It was lovely speaking with you. And I hope, uh, you know, the listeners can gather something from this. Uh, I'm also happy to share my email ID. Uh, You could just uh, bring it up with the people. And if any questions, I'm happy to answer.
0: Wow, what an amazing episode of Yashanth! I hope that you learned as much as I did. Feel free to reach out to both him on his email, I'll link that in the description, or to me on any of our social media platforms, and to engage on all the content we'll be posting. Now, also, we'd like to have a quick announcement uh, from this week: the SME Empower Podcast will be releasing episodes bi-weekly which means twice a month we will be releasing on the first week and the third week of every month thank you so much for your continued support Um, but we think that this way will allow us to focus on delivering um, the best content possible on a much more consistent basis So uh, thank you for your continued support again. And I hope you have a brilliant week. See you again next time. Max out.